The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me today in my little corner of the internet here. Whether you're listening live, which I hope you do, I'm trying to keep live radio alive, or you're catching me on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Today is going to be an amazing conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, in the past few years, if you've been feeling challenged, if this has been tough for you, and you feel like you're surrounded with negative energy, then this is the show for you. This is the place. I mean, who hasn't been feeling like they're surrounded with negative energy? I'd like to meet that person with the pandemic and the political climate. It's been tough for people who identify as empaths. And that word may strike a chord with you. Maybe you've been told you're too sensitive. You take things too seriously. You're probably an empath if you've heard that. Now, I know that word's been coming up a lot recently. I've seen some different books flying around that are identifying this and really explaining what this means. So we're going to unpack this today, as well as share some exercises and practices that you can do to protect yourself. So my guest today is Michelle Welch, and she's an author, teacher, intuitive, and a medium who teaches classes on crystals, tarot, energy work, and intuition. And she is the owner of two Soultopia metaphysical stores in Dallas. And she's also a licensed attorney in Texas. And the book we're going to be talking about today, The Magic of Connection, is a guidebook for anyone who wants to learn more about transforming negative energy to live a more empowered life, and especially if you identify as an empath. This is all going to resonate with you. So you can find Michelle online at michellewelch, W-E-L-C-H dot com. And I want to welcome her to the show. And you know, Michelle, as I was reading about you, you know, you're not the first attorney I have met who's become a teacher in this space. I think that's so interesting. So I'm just curious if you were always interested in metaphysics, if it was something that you grew up being interested in or or you kind of grew into it. That's a great question because, and it is interesting. I'm not the only attorney. Uh, there's so many, I think. I, I, I don't know if it's because I'm an, an attorney that I notice more and more. You know, when you're something or you buy a car, you all of a sudden you notice, oh, I notice a million of those on the road. But every, because I'm an attorney, I notice so many people in this field that are attorneys. And I think maybe for me, it's been, spirituality has been lifelong for me. But it, I was raised in a very religious home. So spirituality, though, for me personally, has been lifelong, even though it was couched in different terms, definitely was not what I would call metaphysical for those surrounding me. But for me personally, I didn't know how to frame that. But the answer would be yes. For me personally, it was metaphysical, but I didn't know that, that that's what it was. In fact, I probably would have been told that that was not correct. Uh, the things that I believed and the things I questioned, in fact, I would get in trouble for the things I said and the things I questioned. And so, yes, it's been lifelong spiritual, spiritualism, or not 
spiritualism, but spirituality has been lifelong for me. And as far as the attorney part, I, I would say I didn't shock anybody when I told them that I was, had diff- I was different in the way that I thought about things. Because, in fact, I think they were relieved when I told them because they were like, that explains a lot about you. And I think they could relate to me a lot more because I would do things when I was picking juries or I would look away and, and, and then I would look back and all of a sudden I would have a knowingness and they would say, how did you have that? And so they related to that even more once I kind of told them and explained to them my view on spirituality. Right. And I think that, well, I think it would be very helpful for a lot of attorneys to really be more open to some of these ideas. And you've actually worked both of your worlds together, you know, like the the worlds collided where you were able to use um, some of your gifts and your training in the legal world. Absolutely. And I I have more done it more than I I, I can't talk about specific cases, but, and I would love to, in fact, I'm trying to get to, to the point where I can speak more about specific cases that I've worked on, but they don't always want you to talk about them, but I can talk about this, that uh, from the day I worked at, as a 24, almost 25 year old, worked at the DA's office in Dallas County, I, people would know that I knew how to pick juries. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm really, really smart. <laughs> and come to find out, I was it was really my intuition, you know, and, and having a little help from maybe my guides or my higher self. And I would be asked to go, not, not officially, but from my peers to come down the hall and help me sit in the back and tell me which who you would put on the jury. And I'm pretty good. And so I've done that a lot. I've helped people a lot pick juries. And then in more official capacity, I have I've gotten information, but I have I would never recommend people cold call investigators or cold call police stations because they have to chase down all of those leads. But if they contact you or they some like I'm somebody they may know to contact, then that's something different. And so they sometimes I have been contacted on on certain cases for or to sit maybe in the back of the courtroom and and get my give my impressions in a case. So, yeah, the two worlds have collided. And right. It, I can see that where that would really come in handy. And it's very interesting sometimes how they've collided because I will be doing or one time I was doing a reading for someone and it was just we were talking about something completely different and all of a sudden an impression came through almost just like I get these impressions like somebody in classroom you know the the child that's raised their hands and they're raising their hand pick me pick me pick me and it was like that a, a spirit came through just pick me pick me pick me and out of nowhere and I found out that she was really really looking for this missing person and I didn't even know anything about this not even what she was asking about and I said I've got to to break in on this and say, somebody really wants to give a message to you. And it turned out to lead into a whole nother thing where she was helping the family look for this missing person. So yeah, it's the worlds have really collided um, for me and in interesting ways. Yeah, Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, that might be your next book. (laughs) Put some of those stories together because I could see where, you know, if, and I think a lot of times investigators 
will will work on intuition. Like that's what will, you know, give you the next clue or lead you in the right direction, you know, if you're really open to those kinds of, of feelings and intuitive hits. So I think if more people were open to to that world and just not so black and white, you know, we probably would solve a lot more, a lot more crimes. I think so. I think so many of them do, and they just don't necessarily call it that they'll call it, um, cues or, or, you know, going on following their gut or their experience. And, but they definitely, I'm sure the really good ones are going on their intuition. I'm sure of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're just reading your book. I mean, I was one of those people that was always interested in, in spirituality and and the unseen world. And, you know, I was the the girl at the slumber party that did, you know, light as a feather, stiff as a board and that kind of stuff, (laughs) you know, and always had uh, tarot cards and, and really wanted that connection to source and to the divine. And so your, your book was like a real feast. I mean, I just have been diving into it and, and really interested in a lot of the exercises and things that you share. So just to kind of jump in, you know, you say in the book that we're all made up of energy and we're all connected. You kind of like we were talking about with the investigators, how they would, you know, latch onto a clue. They're, they're really connected. Like we're all connected in the, in this big web. And I think people hear those phrases tossed around, but they don't really understand it. And I love how you included some exercises in the book to really be aware of our energy, but I was hoping you could just give a definition of, what that means, you know, when you say to somebody, we're all made up of energy, we're all connected. I, yeah, I love that. So for me, and it's it's just become just more and more, I can't even think of anything in my life where I don't end up saying that. So to really break it down, uh, it, how do I define that we're all energy? Uh, just and, and that we're all one, it really comes down to, I, I try to put it in the book, lay it out just step by step by step, you know, and, and I start with not that I'm anything like Einstein, but, you know, he, on his deathbed, he said, I just really wish I knew what an electron, I think it was, an it's, I quoted it in the book, like what an electron was. I mean, as, as smart as he was, he just said, I, I still don't understand it. But when it all comes down to it, we all are in these different forms and we all are, you know, we look different. We, uh, you know, crystals are a certain thing and you and I may look different, but at the same time, it all comes down to the fact that we are made up of particles of atoms and neutrons and we're energy. And, and that's, that's science. In fact, I have somebody, um, coming on my show I think it's next week and it's uh, it's interesting to me how much quantum physics and physics are coming together with faith the two things that were kind of on the front you know quantum physics wasn't so accepted and faith you know not you know, a lot of them were like we don't know for sure right you kind of got to take both of those a little bit what on faith and the two are starting to meld together. And I'm still not get, answering your question totally, but it's because it's so interesting to me how now those two, quantum physics, which is so hard to understand, but as simple as the fact that really we can't, 
wrap our minds around the things that we see, the matter that we see, it really breaks down into the fact that it's just all the same. And it's, it's just vibrating at different levels. And it is all connected in one big web. And that's about as simple as I can make it. That's why I try to go through the book and just take it step by step by step. There was a book that came out, you know, The Secret, and it, and then there was like four books after. I think the movie came out first, and she talked about, and she was very successful. It was a great book, and she's still very successful and great writer and everything, and, and it talked about the law of attraction, but there are all these other laws of the universe that we don't talk about, so I break them down very simply in the first chapter of the book to explain that every single thing is energy and that energy is and this is thermodynamics it never goes away there's a limited amount and it never goes away it only changes form it only changes form so it changes into a different form but it never goes away and that's the best answer I can give you. I hope that's simple. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, it make it makes sense. And I think when people take the first steps in some of the exercises in the book to make it real, like if you don't think of energy, just doing something as simple as like rub your hands together, like I'm doing now, and then hold it, you know, just maybe an inch or so away and have your palms face each other and just feel like what you've created that energy and then kind of you know, form it, form it into a ball and just visualize and, and feel what that energy would feel like. Even just doing a simple thing like that will kind of, you know, bring it home and maybe help people to understand what we really are made of. And you're right, you know, and Einstein, I think said that as well, you know, energy never goes away. It just changes into another form. And he also said he wanted to think like God thinks. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that was an interesting an interesting comment as well, you know, to, to try to understand the universe and how it works, you know, and you start going down ra that rabbit hole, your, your head will explode <laughs> to try to understand all those things. But yeah, we are bringing up that first exercise because that would have been the easy way to explain it. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is the very first exercise in the book. And that's why I really hope people don't, even if they think they totally understand, you know, I don't know who totally understands this world at all or spirituality. I, I'd love to meet that person. But even if they think they're super advanced in their understanding of spirituality uh, and a, a guru of some sort, I still think if they would start with that exercise and just remember what you just said, you can, you can form it. And then you can, you can use that, you can pass that chi ball, so to speak, that force of life. You can pass it to another person and you can do it together and you will feel that energy and feel that, that really the vibration of that energy. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some great exercises and meditations for healing in the book. I think you collected over 50 and that must've taken a while to kind of compile those and, and put the, put it in this book. And were these exercises and things that you've worked with clients and people over the years, maybe people that have come, have come into your shop and, and the ones that you've gathered, these are, are really effective, you know, yeah. even simple and, but they're very effective. 
Yes, they are. And some of them, they I tried to build them, build from that simple first one and build, 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 build throughout the book. That's why. And it doesn't mean that you can't pick it up and go to another, you know, start later in the book. But yes, I've used all of them. Uh, I use them in classes. I use them with clients and I definitely use them on myself, especially the energy, the empath energy scan, where I scan my energy before I go into any situation, I will scan to see what is mine so I can manage my energy. I will scan that, that, that exercise, the empath energy scan is something I think everyone should do. And a lot of us forget to do, I do forget to do it. I'll go into a meeting and, and then I will forget man, I didn't, you know, before I walked into this meeting, I didn't see how do I feel physically? Let me scan that. How do I feel mentally? How do I feel spiritually? How do I feel emotionally? What is mine? So I'll know what is mine versus what I may feel on someone else that I take on as mine as I'm leaning into their energy. That's a really exercise. And being able to make that, that differentiation, you know, between the two. Mm-hmm. And, and let's talk a little bit about that, you know, with empaths and energy, because I think some people that are listening will have, you know, have identified themselves as an empath. Maybe other people haven't. And and you say in the book, you know, you, you definitely have identified as that, you know, and relate as an empath, but would you say like a, in, in an energetic sense that maybe someone who feels that they they feel too much or they're, or they're too sensitive and, and ways to, to deal with that. Would they be maybe at a, a higher vibration than other people who are not as empathic? I don't know. I, I don't know that that makes them at a higher vibration. I think it's a different vibration. I, I think that um, I've thought about that question a lot uh, because and I know you don't mean it this way. I, I don't feel you mean it this way, but I don't think we need to put that judgment on. I think it's it's a different vibration because I think we all have these different purposes. We come in with a different purpose. And so that one purpose may be, and that's why I think people don't always get along, is because one purpose may be, and I, I like to do like vertical lines, draw, okay, this is my purpose. This is Susie Q's purpose. And maybe they're completely different and they, and one's not better than the other. They're just different. And so they might not be in alignment with each other, but that doesn't mean one's right or one's wrong. And so just because an empath may feel or lean into energy more, um, more than let's say Susie Q who doesn't seem to have that empath, uh, in her nature. And I think most people do, they lean into some form of energy because we're all one, but maybe they're not as that compassionate and leaning into the compassion form of energy. Then I don't think that makes that one better than the other. I just think it makes it different would be what I would say. Right. That makes sense because we're all at different, you know, different, I guess, levels or, you know, we come in some may be more empathic than others. And I can see where like people that are drawn to, you know, the the medicine field or to be teachers or something like that may naturally be a little more empathic than, you know, someone who was in a, a, a different field or, 
you know, someone that liked to work with their hands or, or things like that. So yeah, I can see what you mean. It's not, not better or worse, just definitely different. Right. But, you know, and for people that do identify as empaths, I mean, the world can be, you know, kind of a, a scary place with a lot of hurt feelings and, and misunderstandings. So it, it's tough, right, for those people. It's so tough. And that's where, where that's why I wrote the book, because that's really one of the big reasons I wrote the book was because I there were a lot of books out there and they're great books. I mean, very that that really set the and they they've been out there uh really really good books that that told us and quizzes and they've been in magazines and mainstream magazines that told us you know it's take this quiz to see if you are an empath and there are different kinds of empaths and that's really interesting you know am i am i an empath am i uh am i a geopathic empath am i uh this kind of empath or this kind of empath and do i how much do I lean into other people's energy? And but there weren't a lot of books that told us how to be an empath and to handle being an empath. So I would hear a lot of people come into my stores and oh, by the way, we have three now because we've opened another one during during this pandemic. And so we have three stores and we hear it all the time. I'm an empath. And, and I'm not making fun of it because they come in and we'll go, yeah, I mean, you know, I know because we feel you. And it, but they think they're the only one. And we're like, join the crowd here. Let, let us help you, you know. Um, and and so it you are special if you're an empath. And yes, it is sometimes difficult, but there are a lot of empaths and but but they don't know what to do with it. And so a lo- what I found was a lot of the books and a lot of the sort of the the language around being an empath was telling people what they couldn't do. It's like, oh, you know, I'm an empath, so I can't go into crowds. I'm an empath, so I can't handle that negativity. And it seemed to always have this negativity bias, which I get it because it is hard. And sometimes I do feel like it's a curse because you feel like things, and I don't mean that in the literal sense, but it feels like a heavy burden. You you feel things so severely and so acutely and so um, and intensely. But I, I kind of got to the point where I wanted people to learn how to be an empowered, truly be an empowered empath. People were telling me in books that they were teaching me how to be an empowered empath, but I didn't feel that way. I was being told what I couldn't do. And that's why I wanted to write the book to say, okay, how can we develop skills to become, to know that there are going to be times where we, where we, it's okay to feel uh, like we can't do it. Like, I don't want to go out in a crowd today because I, I really don't feel like I can handle it. And that's okay. But how can we get to the point where we can literally feel like if a crystal, which a black tourmaline can do everything, it can absorb energy, which all all people do, I believe, no matter how much protection they put up, we absorb some sort of energy because we're all one. And they it can deflect energy and it can transmute energy. Why can't people do that? And I know we can. So that's why I wanted to write the book. I wanted to say, look, look, impasse, we can be the superhero heroes of our own stories, of our own lives. 
instead of really always being the victim saying we can't do things. And I really love that approach in the book where you take the the fact that people are empaths or really feeling things that may be difficult to do certain things at, at certain times. But in reality, having that that compassion, being being open it is really a, a superpower. It really is a benefit. And people should see it as a positive and not a negative. And I, I love how you reframe that in the book. And I mean, and I've, I've read tons of books <laughs> over the years, you know, from various different teachers. And, um, and one thing, and I hope we have time to, we'll get into it more if we run out of time in this segment, but where you talk about cutting cords and I've heard it framed by different teachers in, you know, that cutting, cutting the cords and, and cutting people out and that kind of thing. And I love how you reframe it as transmuting, that in reality, these cords are, are always there. These connections are always there since we're all energetic beings, you know, in this web connected, that that doesn't really go away so that you have to learn how to what you call transmute it. And that's what I think is what makes your book really different. Thank you so much for saying that. That that was the second reason I wrote the book, and and, and it felt almost like two books in one. Um, it was it, I had to really blend because the the two messages went together. Uh, in order for impasse or anyone, I, the other thing that I saw coming into you know my my stores into it to me as a as a practitioner, I, I it was this you know I I've tried cutting cords I've. And it was nothing, none of this is to say anything against somebody who, who that works for. If that works for somebody, then great. But it, I, that's not what I was hearing. And then I just started thinking logically. I just said, this logically makes no sense to me. And so what can we do? And, and also it was really with social media and all the, all the, I'm just going to call it, it felt like hatred falling, you know, flying around in our world and in our space and our, it, it just every, let's cut bait and run. Everything was cut bait and run. And let me be really clear. I don't mean not have good boundaries. Of course, we're going to have good boundaries. So just get, you know, that disclaimer out of the way. I believe in good boundaries, but I'm talking about this thing of let's cut the cord with a memory or with a person or with a job or with anything. We are energetically connected and we're one and we cannot cut the cord. It may feel dormant. It may feel like we've cut it, but it's going to fire back up. Right. It'll be there. Now, hold hold on, Michelle. I want to dive into this a a little bit more because I think it's an important part of the book. We're just going to jump to a short break, though. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. So stay close. And thanks for listening today. My guest, Michelle Welch, The Magic of Connection. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. 
Welcome back. And thanks for joining me after the break here. I'm talking with Michelle Welch about her book, The Magic of Connection, available right now. You can also catch Michelle on her podcast, The Soul What Podcast. Look that up on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're in the Dallas area, I guess people can visit one of your three Soultopia metaphysical stores. Congratulations on your third store. That's great. Oh, thank you. I think it's our prettiest one yet. My my husband worked really hard on it. And you say, you understand, my husband worked really hard on it. Because <laughs> I've been writing and, and to, so he, he did a great job. Well, that yeah. sounds awesome. If I get out to Dallas, because I love going to those kind of stores. So if people are in that area, definitely check it out. So I wanted to pick up where we left off talking about cord cutting. Um, because I have read in some other books just a different take on this. And I think the way that you present this information is really empowering for the reader where you don't have to be a victim of, okay, I'm I'm feeling, you know, maybe not strong. I'm feeling affected by these energies around me. Or I can't go to that concert or something that you really wanted to do, but you feel held back. There are ways that you can protect yourself and you offer a lot of these amazing exercises in the book. So let's let's talk a little bit more about cords like what are these like you say in the book every encounter really will establish some kind of cord or tether to the other human being right i think i have a chapter every every encounter is a cord encounter or something like that and it's everything we do if you think about it it's it's just imagine us as some little ball of energy. Uh, I, I think of those little fiery uh, light things and anything we do, and it might not be a strong connection, but even if every time we walk by someone, there's a connection. And maybe we walk by someone and they turn and they smile at us. That's going to fire up that little cord of connection even a little more. If we walk by some every day, let's say, and if on our way to work, and and let's say another time that person uh, decides that they want to yell at us, that may fire up the cord in a different way. But there is everything, and not just people, uh, memories, things that have happened. If we go by a house where we used to live or a place, let's say, where we used to work and we see the building and maybe maybe there's a great memory from there. Of course, it's going to fire up something in us. And that is a cord of connection. It's an it's an energy cord and it's it's it energy and thoughts. If we say our words have actions or um, energy or words create reality. Well, of course, that's energy. So everything we do is creating a cord with us, some sort of connection. And those will always be there. Is that true? Or, I mean, we can never really cut them. I believe they're always there. They may lie dormant. If we think about that light again, they may just sort of dimmer and 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 be dormant. But let's, for example, say that 
and, and for me, I never really did divorce cases, but I was a guardian ad litem and an attorney ad litem in some of those cases. And let's say we think we're going to cut a cord, uh, even in a case, we're going to get a divorce, which is a sad thing to think, think about, but we're going to get a divorce and that's going to cut that off, right? That's that's cutting it. It's the end of it. Well, we know that's not true, especially if we have kids. We're going to see each other. Every time you drop the kids off, that fires that back up again, That that lights it back up. And then you go a while and you don't see people and it lights it back up again. And so same thing with anything that we have. We think that um, we're going to get rid of it and and it'll just so you asked, it, you know, with everything, does it ever go away? No. And so what I say in set instead is I say, you know, you may think you've forgotten about something, but something will trigger that memory. So and then all of a sudden you have. A, a memory, which is a cord again, and you're dealing with that emotion if you, especially if you haven't healed it. So I say to transmute. And what I mean by that is to, and the word transform will work too. And we put that on the cover of my book because transform is to change it, but not really forever. And transform is a little more acceptable and people understand it, but transmute is almost like magic. It is magic. It's alchemy. And so what we're doing is we are, instead of putting like red dye into water, we're changing water into wine. We're saying, look, I'm going to change the form of this energy and there are exercises in the book that get us practicing doing this. It's a lot of visualization, which I believe everyone can do, because if you think of your car and you think it's blue, now I want you to visualize it changing to white. That's visualization. So we can all visualize and you just think of that cord, whatever it is, that memory, that thing that really hurts you, that person, even that political connection that's making you so mad. And you take it out in front of you and you start looking at it and just saying, OK, I see this is an icky color. The texture is this. It it. it even you can give it a name, you can give it a smell, everything you want to do. And then I want you to or invite you to start changing it. And you can just work on your end of the cord of connection. The other person may, a person or party may not even be thinking about you. It may just be you. So really, this is for us. It's not really for the other end of it. It's just like forgiveness. Forgiveness is for us. We've heard that a million times. But it's true. So transmutation and changing the energy in the form of the energy is for us. And so instead of cutting off something, we're healing it. And I, I will take healing and love any day over cutting off and the opposite of love. Right. That's so true. And I love what you say in the book that uh, and, and you just mentioned it a, a little bit uh, just now with the practice of this, of transmutation and changing things, that we really have to take a look at our own our own energy and what we're putting into this and, and stop the blame and you know the the victimization and take some accountability for for what's happening. And then you can you can make that cord weaker, you know, instead of putting all this negative energy and really in, increasing the attachment. You can make you can make it fade, and I think that's hard for people because we don't want to be. I mean, of course, in issues of abuse or things like that, you know, you're you're not going to say, "Well, it was my fault too," or or that kind of thing. And and that's not what you're saying at all. No, 
In fact, there's a whole a whole chapter in the book because that's, of course, some of the first things people ask me. Well, what about this? And I have volunteered for years at a, a domestic a women's shelter. It's my my place, you know, that that my cause, I'd say I have a, a lot of places I volunteer and but and I've been on a lot of boards when I was an attorney. And of course, not that that makes me care more just because I was on it, but I was right in the thick of it. And of course not. And I've been the victim of domestic violence. Of course, we would never, ever, I would never say you're going to stay courted. To, well, here, let me reframe that. You are going to stay courted to that. That is a cord. I will tell you that cord will not go away, but you're not going to blame yourself. And a, a blame yourself. And it doesn't mean you have to stay in contact with that person, but you are, and you're not going to blame yourself, but you're going to take a look at the energy and you're going to say, look, this is something that happened in my life. I'm going to heal for myself. So I'm not a victim anymore. I'm going to empower myself. I'm going to stop giving that person the power. And so that's that part of it. And the other part is that I am going to, uh, when it's not a domestic violence situation or, you know, abuse or something like that, if I want to send healing through the cord and I want to look at that, and, and let's say there was some blame and it's not a situation like that. So let's say it was a two-way thing and there was some blame. Then I want to look at the the situation and I want to look at that cord of connection and I want to say, okay, what was my part in this? I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to heal that. And then I'm going to do whatever I want to do as far as the energy I'm sending through the cord. And I use colors. I use, you can use all kinds of modalities to help you kind of visualize, tangibly see, you can use candles to represent uh, sending energy through these cords of connection. But as opposed to trying to just cut off people and everything and everyone out of your life. And again, that doesn't mean that you're ever going to see that person again. It just means that you're going to heal how you feel about it. Right. And that's going to be so much more beneficial, you know, just for you as a, as the, a person, instead of carrying all of this negative emotion and energy, you know, to be able to for, forgive yourself. And I know forgiveness kind of gets thrown around as such an easy thing, like, oh, forgive that person. Well, I, I think forgiveness is a process, you know, and maybe you can forgive the, you know, what you didn't know then or or the situation. It's not like you're forgiving the act, you know. I, I totally agree. And you can, you know, it, if anything, you can just send love to yourself in the court. And it forgiveness does get thrown around so much. And I don't mean to say that lightly because there are things I'm working on because when you write a book or you, or you say something or you have a radio show and you, and you say something, right. Diane, I, I'm sure. Sure. You, and you make a statement all of a sudden you're living, you might have the situation where you're going, Oh, now I'm living this. Okay. I'm going to have to put this to practice. And I had to put a lot of things of these things to practice. And am I successful every time? No, I'm not. There are days when I'm right back at the empath who I feel like I don't even 
know my tools. I mean, I'm right back at square one because I feel like this is not a like a linear incline path to victory. I feel like it's cyclical because there's situations that are coming in our life and we're learning and we're growing and we might, we're, we're probably evolving. We are evolving as an empath because we have these situations and now we're taking care of more and more in our life and we're realizing it more. So in that way, we're evolving. But at the same time, we may be back handling, oh, well, I don't feel like today that I can go out and do anything. I'm, I'm not feeling so great. I don't feel like I can handle things because impasse, sometimes it is overwhelming for us. And so that's okay for people who feel like that. And, and that there's no need to put shame on ourselves when we feel like that, because guess what? That can be a cord. And so we just, you know, give ourselves a break and then realize that, that it really is a real thing. This, you know, this noun that's been put on us as an empath. But what I don't want it to be is an excuse for us. An excuse to say, again, back to where I started, that I can't do things. Because really, if we as empaths would take it and say, you know, we are pretty strong people because love and compassion is a very strong thing. It's not a weakness. It's not a weakness to be sensitive. It's not a weakness to be loving. It's not a weakness to be kind. It's a strength. And even when Melinda Gates, about three weeks ago, I heard her live say, empathic leadership is what's needed in the world today. And whether people like her, the, them or not, I thought that was such a powerful thing to say that is what's needed in the world. What we're saying is love and kindness is what's needed. And I think that's pretty powerful. It really is. It's And it's so true. And you're right. A lot of times it takes more strength and courage to try to do the the loving thing and not react immediately in you know, retaliation or hatred. And and that's what we're seeing so much of around us every day. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it is hard to be an empath, you know, in the world today. But I mean, thankfully, you've written this book that gives so many great um, exercises and, and so many great ideas for ways that that you can work with it. And you take people in the book, it's a superhero's journey, because I do believe it is our superpower mm -hmm. to you know, help people really feel, um, you know, that they can, they can deal with this and work with this. So I just, while we have some time left, you know, wanted to go over a couple of the things that you share, like you mentioned crystals and, and I love working with crystals and stones and like, I have different ones on my desk that some that I've just been naturally drawn to, but there are certain types of crystals. Like you had mentioned black tourmaline earlier that, can really help to transmute this energy. And when people are looking, like when you go into a shop, maybe like yours or, or another metaphysical shop, um, you know, what should people look for, for crystals? That's, I love that. I love crystals too. So we're, we're great crystal girls. <laughs> I love, um, I love it. And what I think I love about crystals is that they're, they're from the earth, you know, from, from God's source. I mean, there's something beautiful that's been given to us and, and we can just even put our feet to the ground and we can connect with crystals and just, just that way. But if you're going into a store, um, where we have beautiful crystals, uh, 
we mentioned black tourmaline, but to calm, just to calm down an empath, just those of us, some of us are a little nervous by nature. A little, we have a lot of anxiety. I don't know if nervousness and anxiety is the same thing. I'm not a psychologist. Um, uh, but I would say what I have found is to just to get us in a state of being ready to be the the superheroes of our story. Selenite is great. It's a form of gypsum. It's white. It's uh, uh, it's one way to. It's one interesting thing about it is that it was used in like plaster of Paris in the walls. Um, it was used to make old cast. But it's you can get it at most crystal stores or probably online. You can get it at our store and it's not expensive. And I get it in like a big old stick, like a wand like thing. And I will wave it over my auric field, you know, that part of the outside of us, that just outside of our body and just wave it over me like you're going through security. Like they're waving the wand over you. And that just clears you. It just clears your auric field of all the ickiness that might be around you. So I love that. And the other one that I really love is lipidolite. Lipidolite is like a little purple kind of flaky. It comes in bead form. We have bracelets. And I almost wear that every single day. My son wears them every single day uh, who lives in New York and has is definitely an empath. The book, the book is dedicated, dedicated to my kids and he's one of them. And he it will help with uh, anxiety because it is the source of lithium. Oh, it, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's where lithium comes from. It's the one of the major sources of lithium. So those three just to start. And then you can go into the other, some other crystals, uh, like the amethyst, all the purple stones, as you're working on certain kinds of cords to heal those cords. And I would go into amethyst or ametrine, which is a blend of citrine and amethyst or even citrine. Uh, to, because citrine is such a feel good and happy stone. So if you need some happiness and uplifting to go through those cords of connection. So you can use those to think about, you can hold the core, hold them. And I have meditations that you do to hold those. You can hold the black stone or black tourmaline in one hand to kind of ground you and absorb for you and help you. Uh, learn to transmute and then citrine would be to uplift you and to bring more happiness and joy and as a byproduct citrine is also known as the merchant stone so it's also one that can help if you have a cord of connection with money where you have a, a sense of lack in your life and maybe you have a cord of connection where you feel like I can't ever make any money or or something like that and that's your cord and you could work with it with that so there's all kinds of ways, but those are some I might start with. And all of those are very affordable too. Those are great ones to start with. And there's also a section in the book where there's some listed here that you can look over. So that's a good resource, you know, just to get, get yourself familiar with. And then what do you think of stones that you're just kind of naturally drawn to? Because it's mm -hmm. funny, like my birthstone, which is pearl, and I don't really love it, but I'm I'm more drawn to... I love the amethyst stone. I always have. That was my mother's birthstone. So all the purple stones, and I love opals. Mm. Um, so is it significant, something that you feel drawn to, to work with? 
I, I love that you asked that because yes, I, I think it's very interesting and I've actually kind of studied it here at the store. I haven't done a scientific experiment. I'm not going to say I have, but I want to on the, that because I believe crystals, the ones you're naturally drawn to, and even if it's just because you think it's pretty, that's a great stone to get. I know, know people that I'll say just which one are not even if they some people won't even feel it at first. You know, it's not because they feel the power of the stone. It's just like, I just am drawn to it because I think it's pretty. Versus essential oils that I also have in the book. Sometimes on those, and this to me is so fascinating. Sometimes on those, they'll tell you that you want the ones you're not drawn to because that's maybe what you need work on. So like if vetiver, for for instance, I really don't like the smell of that, <laughs> but it sometimes really helps me. Uh, when I need to calm down or go to sleep. So for essential oils, uh, it's a little bit on the homeopathy, a little bit opposite. You want what you're not drawn to. But on crystals, what I have found without a scientific study of it is that it's usually if you're naturally drawn to it, that's the one you should get. Right. That's interesting. And you've seen a lot of people in your store. So Going, going from your unscientific, yeah. you know, not peer peers reviewed study, but just from observation, I, yeah. I think I think that's interesting. So we have time for um, yeah, just a quick call. So let me grab this person here and see if she has a question for you. Let's go to line one and chat with Maria real quick. Hi, Maria, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I'm a new sure. caller, and I'm having a lot of problems just healing myself and schooling myself to let go, be balanced, um, dealing with people who are narcissistic or very difficult to deal with. And I feel like I'm kind of empty and just having a lot of problems just living. So you're just feeling unbalanced and scattered and kind of like big, big, wide open? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michelle, what would you say to Maria about that? It seems like she she might need something to help get centered. And especially if you're an empath. Yeah, Maria, yeah. I, I understand that. And I actually have been there before. So first of all, I want to say that I acknowledge that. And I know that and I don't want to be flipping about it. I know it's something that's not easy to just crawl out of. Uh, I would say that first of all, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried, it sounds so silly, or it used to, to me, but I don't ever know if you've just tried some simple affirmations, just like I am powerful, I am um, balanced, and then also I feel like you really, really need to get outside. Have you been getting outside and just even, I don't know where you live, but just getting your feet in the ground I and getting a little bit of sunshine. I don't know as where you live, but I just feel like you, you feel a little down and I feel like you need a little bit of that. And if you work with crystals, I really feel like you need either a shungite or a black tourmaline to to balance and center you. Shungite would really, really be good for you. But if you can't get a hold of that, just getting outside. Now, let me tell you why that really works is because I really just feel like you're in your head a whole, whole lot and you need something just to get you outside of it. What, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. 
Uh, we have blocked tourmaline. I I keep trying to do healing exercises, which is why I'm inside more too, and the weather just started changing. Um, but I just, I don't know if it triggers things. Um, I, I, I'm almost to a point where I don't feel anything working. Um, but I know that there are resources that can work. But I will do more affirmations. I just kind of stopped a little bit. Um, well, well, here's what I'm going to say to you, because uh, first of all, I don't know how down you feel, but I have been there. So, of course, mm-hmm. if you need a professional, you want to talk to someone um, and whatever that is to you, um, so, you know, a, a spiritual advisor um, or a professional, um, depending on how down you feel. Let's just say that for sure. But uh, because because I, you know, I'm I'm not that, but I would say not to promote, you know, like, oh, my book will heal you or anything. That's not true. But there are, if you would go through some of the things that we've talked about on the show today, just like, Mm -hmm. and one of the things I'll quickly tell you is I feel like there's some things just weighing you down. You're thinking about a lot of things like shoulda, couldas, uh, those shoulda, Mm -hmm. couldas, would'ves. And if we can start unpacking those, and there's a thing, I'm going to say it really quickly. It's the paradigms, things that we, and, and I feel like we need to shift the way those woulda, shoulda, coulda's. So if you could start writing those down and like even draw a square box and draw that and start just, and, and not to dwell on them. I want you to even draw a symbol for those. Just draw, maybe put one woulda, coulda, shoulda in that box. Just draw it or write the word. And then I want you to start visualizing, taking those out of that box and saying, no, no, no. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. We're going to get rid of that. Uh, like, you know, maybe my what have, should have, could have is I should have, uh, I'm just, I should have been nicer to my son when he told me he was gay. I'm just being honest. That was one of mine. And, you know, maybe um, I, and that, that would be in my box. And I feel bad about that. And I'm not forgiving myself for that. So I put that in the box and I might even have a symbol for that and then take that out. I'm going to ask you to do that exercise and, and take that out. Okay. Well, Maria, we had to put you on hold real quick because we're just running out of time, but that's such great advice, Michelle. And I've got to have you back because there's so much amazing information that you have to share. And I really love the book. So I want to thank you for joining me today and check out the book, Michelle Welch, The Magic of Connection. You're going to find a lot of healing in these pages. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.